We had a great Christmas at our house. I hope you guys did too. Uh, I don't know about uh, you, but our girls got some uh, uh, a guitar and a microphone uh, for Christmas. That's what they wanted. Kind of an interesting gift. I think they see Nathan up here every Sunday and they, they get excited about music. They wanted to play today, but I thought, eh, I don't know, Maggie's not holding that guitar very well. And I'm not sure the amp on that little like disco ball thing that Ella has there would have really put out that much power. But I do know one thing. They are a lot cuter than the band was. <clears throat> a lot cuter. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Uh, again, I just hope you guys had a great Christmas. Uh, uh, Christmas now, people are taking their lights down. They're making plans uh, for this new year. 2015 is going to be here Thursday. Uh, and it's kind of a time that people start making resolutions. Resolutions for, you know, self-improvement things, weight, uh, money, maybe relationships. You know, you go into the gym, you're used to going to the gym. And then you go there January and February and you're like, where did all these people come from? <clears throat> and then March and rolls around and they're all gone. Uh, so it kind of just shows, you know, most of us make resolutions in America. It's a tradition, but we fail to kind of complete those. Uh, stats say about 8% of people complete resolutions uh, when they make them, make it all year. Uh, I know I fell in the 92% this past year. I made a couple resolutions. They're kind of silly. One was to not use the elevator, or not use the elevator. <laughs> yeah, not use the elevator at work. Take the stairs. I did pretty good with that. I was lazy a few then. I don't know, a few times. Uh, and then also the other one was to not go to Walmart. Not, not that I don't like Walmart. Not that I don't like it, but I just get really frustrated when I go into that store. I'll shop online, and that's okay, you know, but besides going in there. But I didn't really keep that one. I made it till Thanksgiving, but still, I didn't keep it. Today we're going to look at, uh, in Colossians chapter 3, and we're going to look at some resolutions that we as Christians should have. Resolutions that we honestly fail to kind of keep, we fail to accomplish fully. Resolutions not just for the new year, but for every day. Uh, like most of Paul's letters, he starts out kind of explaining who God is, uh, kind of our relationship with God, how it's broken, how Jesus came to reconcile that, and how he did it. And then he moves into kind of being watchful for the false teachers who teach against uh, the true gospel. And then he moves in after that to kind of teaching about you know, what are, what's a, a Christian life supposed to look like? What are we supposed to do? And kind of that's where we're going to be. So in Colossians 3, uh, chapter, or chapter 3, uh, 5 through 11. If you guys can stand with me, it's on page, I think it's 844 in the gray SV, ESV Bible on your row. And if you uh, don't have a Bible, feel free, please feel free to take one of those with you. Uh, uh, we'd just love for you to have it. <clears throat> Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. In these two you once walked when you were living in them. But now you must put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator." Here there is not Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. This is the word of the Lord. Would you guys pray with me? Father, we just thank you for this morning. Uh, just time to, Lord, just reflect on, uh, on Christmas that you came 
And Lord, just to look at this new year, Lord, uh, and just see uh, uh, how you came to, uh, you made a final resolution for us, Lord. Uh, Lord, just as we work through your word today, just soften our hearts to see uh, kind of where, uh, where we fail, but where you uh, have accomplished everything. Lord, we just thank you so much for your love. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. <clears throat> you guys can have a seat. Now, before some of you start to check out and think, hey, didn't we spend eight weeks in the Song of Solomon talking about sex? Uh, Why in the world are we talking about it again? I want to make two things clear. First of all, we're hearing it again because the Bible refers to immorality, sexual immorality, a lot. Because there's a brokenness in our world in how it views that. It was broken in Paul's day. It was broken before Paul's day. It was broken in the garden. In chapter 3, we saw it was broken there. Uh, of Genesis, sorry, chapter 3 of Genesis. Uh, if we're, also, if we're going to be a church that preaches the word of the Lord, we're going to have to get used to this topic because it's in the Bible. It's there. Uh, also, uh, secondly, Chris did an awesome job in the Song of Solomon, kind of diving deep into a lot of these sins that are listed here. And I'm not going to go into detail, but I want us to focus on the two uh, that are listed at the end there, the evil desire and covetousness. <clears throat> And see how those create outward expressions of those first three we see. First, let's start with evil desire. Evil desire, that's something that we kind of think, oh, the horrible people in the world, they have that. You know, Saddam Hussein, Osama bin Laden, Hitler, the people who have create, uh, committed these horrible crimes against humanity. That's kind of what we think of evil. But I think the evil part throws us off there. If, uh, in verse 5, we see the word, therefore... That's referring back to the first three verses of chapter 3. Let me read those for us. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. Paul's reminding the Christians here in Colossae that they have died and they've been raised with Christ. Their new identity has set them to set their minds on the things of heaven, not of earth. Their new identity has... uh, kind of given them heavenly desires, not earthly desires. They're supposed to have God's desires, not evil desires. Our desires as a Christian are to be on things above. We see Jesus teaching us that, even as he taught us how to pray. He says, your will on earth as it is in heaven. But obviously the Christians in Colossae, they must have, you know, something, they weren't getting it right. You know, Paul's addressing a situation there. We're not told exactly what the situation was. Uh, but he had to address it. The same thing today. This word's here to address our situation and our culture today. He's telling the Christians to kill these sins of the past. To literally extinguish them. Take them out. They're not part of you anymore. This doesn't mean like wound yourself or hurt yourself. It means to kill the heart issues. And the heart issues that causes the evil desire that leads into uh, impurity, sexual immorality. It's covetousness or idolatry. The worship of something for one's own glory, their own satisfaction. Worshiping things that our hearts desires more than anything. We see that in culture today in the news. We see it in songs we hear on the radio. And we see it kind of in the changing opinions throughout the entire, uh, throughout the country on different topics. Kind of reminds me of a song I've heard a few times on the radio that kind of talks about we can gain freedom through following these earthly desires, through through worshiping what's good for me, that you're going to get all you ever dreamed of by following these things. You know, if I'm going to worship, I'm going to worship the way I want, who I want, what I want, where I want, 
And it doesn't matter what you say to me. My truth's my truth. And obviously, if it's not yours, that doesn't matter. But what's the Bible say about this? What, does the Bible say there are not absolutes? No. It says there are absolutes. And, dis, and culture dismisses these absolutes as hateful, silly, and uneducated. In Genesis, we see that God created man and woman in his image. That man should leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and become one flesh. That they should be fruitful and multiply. And that they should, you know, this union between the man and the woman, it glorified God. It imaged him to the world. It showed kind of what true humanity was supposed to be. It goes on to say that they were naked and they were not ashamed. There was no evil desire. There was no covetousness. They had nothing that they needed. God had given them everything they needed in the garden. And they knew that. They, they, and they worshipped God freely in the garden because he provided life to them. But then if we move into chapter 3 of Genesis, we see that the evil desire did appear. That idea of, you know, I, I can get something better. I, if I know what God knows, my life can be even better. I can be happier because I'm going to get more than I already have. Even though they had everything they could ever imagine having. <clears throat> I can only... Think about what this would have looked like, like if you walk into the grocery store and you see that stand of magazines sitting there as you're checking out. You know, the fruit probably said, you know, you know be a better you, or, you know, rock his world, or, you know, build a six-pack that no woman can refuse, or, you know, have all you ever need and never depend on anyone. How could they resist this? How can we resist it? There's another absolute we see if we look at moving to verse 6, that the wrath of God is coming. Now, this isn't meant to scare us into trying to be a better person or live a better life or clean ourselves up so that we don't have to face this wrath. Remember, Paul's talking to Christians here in this letter. He's telling them, you know, God's going to come and take care of the people who worship for themselves, the kind of those who have the earthly passion, the earthly desires, those who are dis- have been disobedient. It's a, but it is a word to cause us to seriously look at our heart and see what our desires are, see what motivates us. Does evil desire motivate us? If, if so, we've got to make a resolution to kill this heart of covetousness that's in our lives and make our desires be on heaven and not on desires of earth. <clears throat> it's a word to remind us the promise that God told Eve in the garden. Your son will crush the head of the serpent. And that's... Jesus, the Son, did crush the head of the serpent. We are to crush the earthly passions and desires with the power of the Holy Spirit. And as we're doing this, we've got to make a resolution to remember. Remember that you once walked in these sins listed in these five verses. Maybe you're starting to walk in them, in them again. Or maybe you're in them right now and you don't see how you can get out of them. Or you don't really want to get out of them. The song I mentioned earlier, it goes on to say, You know, I was born sick, and I love it. There's no question that we are born sick, and sadly so obvious that we do love it. Maybe you're not knee-deep in these sins that were listed here, but maybe you've still forgotten the gospel and what it says about you. Or maybe you don't know the gospel at all. Maybe, you know, maybe uh, we, we still like to go back to those sins. We like to, you know... Slide back into, well, that's just going to make me happy now. I want that for myself. I want to keep it for myself. And we slide back into them. Maybe they don't come out the same way they used to. The sins of the heart will come out in a different way. 
So we have to be watchful and prayerful in our walk. If you're an unbeliever here today, I want you to know that you're in a room full of sinners. A room full of people who screw up and keep screwing up. We don't, we don't have it right. And we, we're, we're striving to get there, but we still mess up. Christians, we better hear the same thing. We need to be reminded we're not perfect. We need to be reminded of who we once were and who we're being transformed into. This is going to be difficult. Sometimes we're going to have to, you know, repent and confess some sins that are, that are in our lives. We're going to have to talk to loved ones and, and confess to them. And that's not going to be easy. But we have a support group here with Redeemer, a community of believers who look into our lives. We also, we've talked about blind spots a lot. We have blind spots in our, in our lives where we don't even see that sin that used to be a problem that we saw. We, how can we remind ourselves of that? That's why we have a community of believers. Kate's really great at reminding me of kind of where I struggle or asking me about how's that struggle going? Have you fallen into any temptation? Have you acted on that temptation? And when she asked me that, that's, that's kind of hard. That's, that's, a, that's a scary thing to be asked, but it's good and it's healthy. Remember, you don't live by the practices of your old life. You've been made new through Christ. Church, hear the good news of the gospel. Jesus Christ came to earth as a defenseless baby who was born to a poor carpenter, a 14-year-old girl, and he left all his riches in heaven to crush the serpent. He not only came to earth fully as God, but fully as man, so that he could be tempted and suffer just like we are, just like we're, we're tempted and suffer. He lived a perfect life that none of us ever could, and he came to suffer the wrath of the Father for us. The wrath that's coming for the disobedient was poured out on Jesus for us. The only difference between Christians and the disobedient is the wrath we deserved fell on Jesus. There's no work, no good deed that any of us could ever do to pay this debt that we owe God. We only need to receive the free gift of truth that he gives us. We are much more sinful than we could ever imagine, and we need a Savior more than we can ever imagine. <clears throat> when we've received this gift, when we've received this free gift of life, we must continue with the power of the Holy Spirit to put away the old self and put on this new self. Verse 8 moves into more things that we must do away with, the things we must put off. Uh, the, first, the first list kind of dealt with these personal heart issues. As we move into verse 8, we're looking at the relationship issues. Paul's saying here, take it off, remove it like it's old clothing, dirty rags that you're wearing. It's time to take those off. It's pretty easy, honestly, for us uh, to kind of look down on people. We think we're better than them. We kind of say, oh, you know, that person such and such, I'm just going to badmouth them or be angry or talk bad about them. We see that, you know, Paul's addressing Christians here. So he's addressing Christians who are talking bad about other Christians. This grieves the spirit. This is sin. We're, we're causing the spirit to grieve in our, in our presence here. And we need to be careful with this. We need to check our attitudes towards our brothers and sisters, both in the local body and in the global body. The resolution to put off these sins is the key to a healthy gospel community that can go out and effectively affect Bloomington and the world around us. We... We also need to love. So how are we supposed to love? How are we supposed to love our brothers and sisters? Well, if we look at John 13, Jesus tells us how to love. He says, A new commandment I give you, that you are to love one another just as I have loved you. 
You're also to love one another. Another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So we're supposed to love our brothers and sisters, not be upset and angry with them. We're supposed to love them so that people can see that we are the disciples of Jesus. Not only are we supposed to love our love believers in a new way, we're supposed to love unbelievers and our neighbors that hate us, enemies that hate us, coworkers that like put you down during the, during the day. We're supposed to love them so they can see that we are a disciple of Jesus and so that Jesus can be shown to them. So if we're angry, how can we love them? You know, maybe you're saying, well, Jesus got angry. And that's true. And you also may say, Jesus also said it's, or, or Paul wrote, uh, I think it was in Corinthians, that he wrote, you know, it's okay to be angry. You know, but you've got to keep reading. He says, don't sin. You can't let the sin turn into pa- a passionate anger that eats away at you, that, that turns into something that you thrive on. You can never love someone if you're so angry with them uh, that you're thriving on it. You also may be angry with God right now. And if that's okay. You need to work through that. You need to be in his word, study it, pray to him. Don't just say, I'm done and I'm out. You need to work through that. You need to join a community group wherever you are in your walk. If you're beginning your walk, you're not there yet, join a community group and voice those opinions and those thoughts and those things you're feeling. So we can work through it together because we're all trying to figure this out. And the great thing about it, he's going to show us that he is so good in what he's doing. It's time to take off the rags, the resolution to put on the new self. In verse 10, we see that even though you're wearing these dirty, horrible rags, you're also wearing something else. Notice it's in the past tense there. Let me read that again. It says, and have put on the new self. It says, don't put it on. It's it's saying, you have put it on. And how have we put this on if we haven't cleaned ourselves up yet? Well, we don't have to clean ourselves up. When when we're in the middle of our sin, Jesus comes in. When we say we want to trust in him and we give our life over to him, he drops that robe that makes us spotless right on top of those rags and makes us clean. We are clean. Wherever you are in, the, in your sin, if you've been clothed by Jesus, you're clean. <clears throat> if you're with, as we continue over sin, it, see, it also says that underneath our new clothes, these old rags will start falling off. <clears throat> as the Holy Spirit works on our hearts, these old dirty habits will fall away. And we're going to be renewed towards the image we were created in. As we grow in the knowledge of God also, we're going to see and understand the beauty of the clothes that we're adorned in. So looking back at what we've worked through, Paul's been saying, why would you want to try and put those old rags back on over the most radiant, beautiful, hippest clothes you could ever wear? Don't take these clothes off and put them in the closet to break out another day. Old clothes are not retro. Don't go back to Goodwill and pick up those clothes that you dropped off last week. You need to take them out, burn them to the ground, with a, and extinguish them with the power of the Holy Spirit and the strength that it gives you. <clears throat> take a water break here. <laughs> when we continue to do this, when we continue to see the sin and kill it in our lives, when we continue to remember who we once were and who we are now, when we put off the old self and we see that we have been put, we have put on the new self, 
we can make a resolution to unify. As we, in 2014, our country seems more divided than ever. What's the reason for this? What's the answer? We all live in a broken world where the sins listed in these few verses has caused so much tension and hate. We li- sin is the simple answer, and the, but the most complex answer to this question. If that's the answer, what's the solution? The resolution of Christ is the only way the mess of this world could ever be resolved. Locally and globally, all Christians have put on a new self. We're a new humanity. We're a new species of people because we have a new life. Look around you. We're pretty diverse here, but are we as diverse as Bloomington? I don't think so. We have people from different cultures, Christians from different cultures, Christians from all around the world here in Bloomington, and we need to embrace those cultural differences and those ethnic differences and actually go on mission together and make a difference here in Bloomington and in the world. I saw this clearly when I went to Brazil with our mission team this past April. We got down there, and definitely the people were racially different, they were culturally different, and they were economically different. But we were all the same. We had the same goal, and we were all covered in the righteousness of Christ. What's the goal that we were all focused on? We were focused on making Jesus famous in our communities. Uh, There's no difference between Bloomington and the little town of Fraji that we were in. Or the little town of Angra, which is this little coastal beautiful village. Or Rio de Janeiro. There's no difference between Bloomington and all those places. They all need to be infected by the gospel. Locally, we have an amazing opportunity coming up with Bethel, a church just down off Rogers here across from Fairview, to kind of partner with Christians from, that are different culturally and racially. The week before Martin Luther King Day, we're going to be doing a solemn assembly. We're going to have a time of praying, fasting, and gathering to repent and pray uh, that the gospel can break down the dividing walls between the, the issues of race our country's facing right now. What a better way to destroy the old self, put that away, and truly live unified like the new humans we are in Christ. In closing, we need to see that none of these things we've talked about today, none of these resolutions could be done if it wasn't for the resolution of Christ. As hard as we may try to resolute to kill our sin and put the old self away, we're going to always fail. We're going to always fall back into those sins and make mistakes. But that's okay. We have grace. God has given us grace that we can work through those with each other. Jesus came to make a resolution on the cross for us. When he cried out, it is finished, the brokenness was resolved. Unlike us, when we make resolutions, Jesus made a resolution and he didn't cheat. He didn't, you know, take a shortcut to try to make that resolution happen. He didn't revise it. He didn't change anything. He planned to come and fully give himself and freely give himself to pay the unpayable debt we owe to God. Christ is all and in all. Jesus is was, and will be the final resolution. Let his great work cover you, and let the Holy Spirit work out these resolutions in your life in a powerful and mighty way. If you guys will pray with me. Father, we just thank you, uh, Lord, for your resolution to just come and to die for us, uh, to give us a new life, uh, 
in you, Lord, that we uh, uh, could do nothing to get uh, uh, what, what we, you've given us, what we, what we deserve is not what you've given us. Lord, we just pray that you just, uh, Lord, just impact our hearts, Lord, as we go into this new year and let us make a resolution to just trust in your resolution, Lord, and let that transform our lives. Uh, in Jesus' name we pray, amen.